Hello, welcome to the Stentons Real Estate Podcast. My name is Ben Hughes. I'm an associate in the real estate team based in Milton Keynes. I'm joined by Amy Morin, an associate in our environmental department. Hi, Ben. So today we're here to talk about the minimum energy efficiency standards, otherwise known as MIS. So Amy, what is MIS? That's right. We're here to talk about MIS today. The aim of the MIS regime is to improve the energy efficiency of buildings and reduce the emissions associated with heating. And the MIS regime does that by introducing prohibitions on the letting of buildings that don't meet certain minimum energy performance standards. So this is based on the rating that's set out in the EPC, the Energy Performance Certificate for that property. And the minimum rating is currently set at E. So properties that are F or G rated may be substandard under MIS. So, Amy, I understand there was a rule change at the start of the month. Um, What was the rule change and what does that mean for landlords? That's right. The MIS regime itself has been around for a few years now, but it's been getting a lot of attention recently because of the changes that took place on the 1st of April, as you said, which extended the scope and the way the regime applies to non-domestic lettings. Before the 1st of April, the rules applied to new lettings, so landlords were prohibited from entering into leases of substandard F4G-rated properties subject to the MIS rules. From the 1st of April, this prohibition has been extended to existing lettings. So landlords are now prohibited from continuing to let any property with an EPC rating of F4G subject to the rules. And obviously, that potentially brings a large number of additional properties into scope of the regime. Can I just check, does that affect all properties then that have an EPC rating of an F4G, or is it more complicated than that? Unfortunately, it's not entirely straightforward. The MIS rules themselves are quite complicated. And they also build on the existing rules for when properties require an EPC. And the way they interact with those EPC rules can be a bit complex as well. That means that there are quite a few nuances that might affect how the rules apply to a particular thing at a particular property. There's also certain exceptions or exemptions that might need to be considered. So it's important that the application of MIS is considered on a case-by-case basis for each letting of each property affected. Right, okay. So what are some of the points that landlords would need to consider? We certainly don't have time to run through all of the considerations on this podcast, but by way of example, some of the key points that landlords need to think about are, firstly, as, as you mentioned in your question, whether the property itself is in scope. The MIS regime applies to buildings that require an EPC under the EPC rules. And this is quite a specific definition of EPC under those EPC rules. It's a roof construction with walls which energy is used to condition the indoor climate. There are also some exceptions for various types of building which don't require an EPC under those rules and are then also out of scope of MIS. In addition to that, under the MIS rules, properties are in scope where they have a valid EPC, i.e. one that was commissioned and registered within the past 10 years. This means that if the EPC is expired, there isn't an EPC. And also, if the EPC is voluntary, the property may be out of scope and there are various nuances that might need to be considered further in those circumstances. The second key point that might need to be considered is what energy efficiency improvement works might be required to ensure the property is compliant with MIS. EPCs are usually accompanied by a recommendations report which sets out various improvement works. And obviously, if a property is FOG rated, to achieve compliance, a landlord may need to carry out some of those energy efficiency improvements to raise the minimum energy performance rating to an E or above. Under the MIS rules, only those improvements which are relevant improvements will need to be carried out. There's various elements to this, but for example, this means that only those improvements that satisfy a seven-year payback test set out in the rules need to be implemented. Broadly, that means energy efficiency improvements where the value of savings on energy bills that they achieve over seven years is at least equal to the cost of purchasing and installing the improvement. If all the relevant improvements have already been made, 
or there are none that can be made and the property still remains substandard and has an FOG rating, it can continue to be let under the lease rules. Thanks, Amy. The regulations certainly aren't as simple as they seem. So are there any other exemptions or exceptions that landlords would need to be aware of? Yes, there are also certain exemptions provided under the MIS rules themselves, where a landlord may be able to continue letting a property if it's FOG rated. These might be relevant where undertaking relevant energy efficiency improvements would reduce the market value of the property by more than 5%, or where the landlord needs the consent of the tenant or another third party to carry out the relevant energy efficiency improvements that need to be done, but that consent can't be obtained. There may also be an exemption available for a temporary period of six months for new landlords, where they've become the landlord of a substandard property, either because the lease was granted pursuant to a contractual obligation, or because they've purchased an interest in a substandard property that was subject to an existing lease. Okay, thank you, Amy. So there's a number of impacts that spring to mind for landlords in managing their property assets. Obviously, there's the the hard legislative impact, um, so unless a property falls within the exemptions, as Amy set out, if a landlord wants to let a property that's substandard, it could be liable to and subject to a number of penalties under the regulations. But there are a couple of other impacts that I can think of. So first it would be rental values of property. So as ESG is becoming an increasingly hot topic in the current environment, tenants will be more likely to want to pay a premium rent for premises which have a good EPC rating, particularly an A or a B rating. This will also be a consideration for lenders if a property is to form security against any debt financing. Additionally, there's the potential for works to need to be undertaken on the property. So that those works would obviously be to increase the energy efficiency and therefore make the property MIS compliant. As such, it is important to communicate with current tenants to ensure that landlords are permitted to access premises to undertake such works. Ideally, any lease should contain provisions dealing with how energy efficiency improvement works may need to be undertaken in accordance with the terms of the lease. As such, it's important that landlords undertake an audit of their property portfolios to see whether any properties are substandard. If they are, it is imperative that unless a property falls into the exemptions Amy has set out, the property is brought up to an EPC rating of E or above so that it is MIS compliant. So Amy, we've obviously spoken about the current changes to the legislation. However, are there any other further changes that can be expected? Yes, there are. Landlords should also be looking out for future changes to the regime and increases to the applicable minimum EPC standard. As we've said, that's currently set at E, but the government's consulted on raising the minimum standard to an EPC rating of B by 2030, with an interim step of a C minimum rating by 2027. Those changes aren't in force yet, and we're still awaiting details of how those will be implemented. But obviously, that's a big step up from the current minimum level of E. So it may have a significant impact on many commercial landlords, particularly those who have large portfolios and many properties that wouldn't meet that minimum EPCB rating. They may need to carry out further energy efficiency improvements to their buildings to achieve compliance. So it's worth bearing that future trajectory in mind when thinking about MIS compliance and looking out for the implementation of those amendments to the regime. As you've mentioned already, Ben, ESG is a growing focus for both landlords and tenants. Organisations may have their own carbon reduction, ESG or sustainability commitments and programmes, and building efficiency and the associated carbon reduction may form part of that. That means that organisations may need to approach energy efficiency improvements, not only with what is required to ensure MIS compliance in mind, but also having regard to their own ESG and sustainability targets and priorities as well. Thank you, Amy. That's been really informative. Uh, I think we'll leave it there for today. But should you have any queries, please feel free to contact Denton's either the real estate department on the property side or Amy on the environmental side. 
and thank you for listening.